Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Courtney. Today we're doing a solo episode. You might have a lot more of these in the near future and get over it. Sorry, unless you want to be on the episode with me, then, you know, we can work something out. Otherwise, just saddle up for a very exciting to me, um, weird piece of history. So divorce, what a lovely threat when you're married. As much of a pain it is to so many that want to get divorced nowadays, it was a million times more of a pain before the 1960s. Until the late 1960s, divorce laws always required the petitioning party to prove fault in order to have their divorce granted. A person could not divorce their spouse merely because they were unhappy in the relationship. Rather, they had to prove their spouse had done something wrong. Reasons to grant a divorce included, but also were not limited to, bigamy, just in certain states, adultery, abandonment, extreme cruelty or abuse that you had to, you know, have lots of proof for, and the inability to perform in the bedroom. The result of these at-fault laws was that thousands upon thousands of couples were forced to stay in unhappy marriages on the basis that neither spouse had done anything egregiously wrong. Growing apart simply wasn't an option, or even growing up in your relationship because you were still high school sweethearts and got married and you changed when you were in your thirties, like a lot of people do. This shift in many states to no-fault divorce resulted in a sharp rise in divorce rates throughout the 1970s and 80s. Many couples who, until the 70s, had no options for ending a faultless marriage could now get divorced. The shift in divorce laws also corresponded to the shift in the way society viewed marriage in general. Marriage rates also fell as many couples opted for cohabitation over marriage. But we're not really talking about divorce today. We're not talking about the history of divorce, at least. We're talking about that short period in American and specifically Nevada history. The times when only certain places allowed no default divorces. The times when you had to be a legal resident for a specific set time frame to qualify for a no default divorce. In the early 1900s, several states began to revise their residency requirements, shortening the length of time a person must reside in a state in order to become a resident and acquire those benefits of being a resident of that state. These benefits included getting a divorce. This led to the informal installation of divorce mills, cities or states that people, most commonly women, fled to in order to quickly establish residency and then divorce their spouses. Idaho and Arkansas became well-known divorce destinations, but perhaps the most prevalent city for divorce was Reno, Nevada. 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 Whatever way you want to pronounce it, just pretend that's the way I'm saying it whenever I go forward. In 1931, the state government passed two laws that pushed Nevada to being the Nevada many think about. One, legalized gambling, and the second changed the divorce residency requirements from six months to six weeks, while adding nine grounds for divorce, including the catch-all extreme cruelty entirely mental in nature. It was acceptable to prove that the defendant had been unkind, stayed out late, or caused the plaintiff enough distress to disrupt their life. In some cases, it saved women from dangerously abusive relationships. Others were ruled on more frivolous grounds, like, say, a husband refusing to let his wife listen to the radio in the house. Most states at this time required a one-year wait after filing for divorce and only allowed proven adultery and abandonment as reasons that you can get divorced. But with the passing of these two new laws, Reno's divorce industry was off to the races, pun intended. With more people able to afford a six-week stay, the divorce business ramped up from busy to booming. The city gained a reputation as the divorce capital of the world, with visitors coming to, quote, take the six-week cure, 
end quote. Tabloid writer Walter Winchell nicknamed the process the Reno vacation. The women and men, and at least a one foreign dignitary, arrived in droves by air, by car, and by train. Over 325,000 marriages would come to an end in Nevada during that time. So we're talking a 35-year history. You had 325,000 marriages and in divorce just in Nevada alone. Before all the glitz and glam of Vegas, Nevada's largest town at the turn of the century was Reno. Reno was still a quiet and relatively small ranching outpost in the early 20th century. Ranching. That's why we're going to talk about divorce ranches, because ranches. While many of these individuals may have been there for different reasons, all those people desperate to return to single life had one thing in common. They needed somewhere to stay for six weeks, complete with a housing manager willing to testify that you hadn't left the state for over 24 hours in that time period. You can choose to bunk in a boarding house, often with a roommate. Some women brought their kids and took jobs cleaning or working as shills in casinos, also known as posing as decoy customers to get people in to participate in gambling. But if you had some cash and an appetite for adventure, or at least some rugged cowboy appetite, you could ditch your pearls for jeans and cowboy boots and shack up at a divorce ranch. In the entrepreneurial spirit that is Vegas as well as Nevada and, and Reno, local ranch and homeowners saw an opportunity to capitalize on this new divorce trend. They formed these divorce ranches, or places where divorce hopefuls could stay for the six weeks needed to establish that residency in Nevada. The ranches cater to the disenfranchised bride, or even groom, and provided community, activities, entertainment, both legal and non-legal, and most importantly, the required witness needed to prove residency to the court. The cost was about $1,500, or about $15,000 in today's numbers. So, if you had the means and you had, you know, $1,500 laying around in the 1930s, and you were like, I need to get the F out of this marriage, then you could take six weeks away. Sound like a great adventure and possibly, you know, whatever you may need. These ranches quickly became a mecca for housewives, socialites, and celebrities alike. Some of these famous people that came to divorce ranches include Mary Pickford, Jack Dempsey, Mrs. Alda Stevenson, Bobo Rockefeller, Rita Hayworth, Gloria Vanderbilt, Norman Rockwell, General Douglas MacArthur, and they helped make Nevada the mythological divorce capital of the world. The popularity of the Reno divorce was further amplified by Nevada's lack of policy or timeline for remarriage. This meant that a person who got divorced in Reno could marry their next spouse the same day they received their divorce decree instead of waiting a month to a year in other states. The surge in divorce tourism also provided a huge boost to Reno's economy generating nearly $5 million in annual revenue, which would be about $50 million in today's standards. The ranches offered not just a quote-unquote way out of a marriage, but an opportunity to skip scandal and stigma and start anew. Often, patrons would bring a friend or meet one there, starting new relationships or even tying the knot after the divorce was actually finalized. As many politicians from other states saw how not just women but men flocked to Nevada for these easier divorce laws, these lawmakers saw that giving this option two women in particular, was needed, and eventually Nevada was no longer a divorce hub for many across the U.S., and it moved to, on to other businesses like gambling and casino tourism. But what were these divorce ranches actually like? Because men made up the majority of the workforce at this time, women were usually the ones staying the six weeks in Nevada. These women would spend their time um, swimming, fishing, horseback riding, 
eating authentic Western cuisine, whatever that is, in the 1930s to 60s in Nevada. So in Reno, after the six weeks were up and they were able to file their paperwork and it passed, the newly divorced individual would then go to this bridge that was about a block from the courthouse where it was affectionately known as the Wedding Ring Bridge, where they would dramatically toss their wedding rings or a cheap ring they brought or bought at the local Five and Dime into the Truckee River. Some ranches were more modest, with rooms not much more than a bare-bones cabin, and others, like the luxurious Flying N.E. Ranch, favored by the Hollywood elite, offered individual tanning beds, all the better to return home, single and fabulous. The more high-end ranches employed cowboys to lead group activities and provide entertainment, and in some instances, the hunky stockmen themselves were the entertainment. The Lazy M.E. Ranch, located just south of Reno, earned itself the nickname the Lay Me Easy Ranch. The ranches also provided psychological comfort, fostering a community of sorts that implicitly understood the stresses and pressures of the situation. A visitor recalls being afraid her whole stay, worried that her husband would show up and contest the marriage, but ultimately comforted by the welcoming nature of the ranch and by a cheeky sign that said, Welcome, divorcees. Lifelong friendships were forged, and considering the circumstances, it's not surprising that Reno gave way to a thriving lesbian scene. This was memorialized in filmmaker Deitch's groundbreaking 1985 cult hit, Desert Hearts. Reno enjoyed the fruits of the divorce seekers' wallets, and in turn, the women got a taste for what is what it was like to be unhitched in a frontier pocket that was morally, let's just say, flexible. They got babysitters for their kids, and they went out on the town. They danced. They flirted. They had affairs. They gambled, and they went to taverns unaccompanied. The rest of the country looked in through pulp novels with titles like Reno Rendezvous and you know magazine articles like My Dude Ranch Love Affair, which was published in a 1938 issue of True Confessions. Even though most of the divorces during the golden age of the divorce ranches occurred in Reno, a new city in Nevada was growing. The little town of Las Vegas was known mostly for its proximity to the Great Boulder Dam construction, now affectionately known as the Hoover Dam because why not? Love Hoover. Not really, but whatever. In 1939, Rhea Langham was a wealthy socialite with a thing for actors, married to up-and-coming heartthrob Clark Gable. She was on her fourth marriage, and he was on his second. But though she played a major part in elevating his public profile, not to mention wardrobe and grooming habits, the union was somewhat one-sided. Gable was often seen stepping out on the town with his female co-stars, with many swept under the rug. That was until he met comedian and Hollywood darling Carol Lombard on the set of 1932's No Man of Her Own. The pair didn't start actually dating until four years later when Gable and Langham were separated, and though they kept the relationship secret, they were often spotted out on the town. To make matters worse for Langham, the press applauded and encouraged, dare we say shipped, the adulterous affair, informing the court of public opinion. Suddenly, Langham was characterized as the one standing in the way of Gable's happiness. While she had originally planned to give Gable a long, drawn-out California divorce, perhaps to save face, Langham opted for a quickie split in Nevada while Gable was busy filming Gone with the Wind. In a masterful twist, she struck a deal with the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce. In exchange for six weeks left alone in Vegas at a place of her choosing that had amenities that she preferred, she could control her own narrative with a splashy spread in the Las Vegas Review Journal. She got to paddle around Lake Mead. She even gambled. She gave sound bites about Gable. 
She told the paper Vegas had been the finest and shortest vacation I ever had in my life. With this, Las Vegas' divorce racket was all systems go, and the addition of the Vegas Strip in 1940 added more shine to the city's lawless veneer. Soon, Las Vegas divorce ranches, like Tool Springs and Lorenzo Park, were just as swarmed as Reno's divorce papers. Other celebrities came to avail themselves of their services, like the Tarzan Arthur Edgar Rice Burroughs, Liz Taylor posted up at a ranch while waiting out Eddie Fisher's divorce. Conveniently, he was doing a residency at the Tropicana during that time. These resort vacations led to the construction of more resorts, minus the divorce, and incorporated the gambling aspect and the boom of casinos was on the rise. Some of these women's experiences even made it on stage. Playwright and Congresswoman Claire Booth would later write the comedy The Women about her stay. After the legalization of more current-day divorce laws across the country, the divorce ranches quieted down and became dude ranches, and then just regular parks. While quickie divorces are not the need in Vegas, the need for quick marriages are. The amount of little chapels up and down the strip can still be linked to how many divorce hopefuls came to Nevada and immediately turned around and got remarried. You actually can still go visit some of these dude ranches. A lot of them are now parks. You are able to walk up to them, see what it kind of looked like. Uh, so you can pretend you were a fancy Hollywood elite um, actress or actor um, or just somebody trying to get out of a bad situation. I think if we didn't have divorce ranches or even Las Vegas's quick turnaround on divorces with only a six week stay, that there would have been a lot more, um, I would say, unhappiness and possibly more domestic violence cases um, in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Before, you know, the normalization of divorce, we can also thank Ronald Reagan for pushing more of like the normal divorce laws that we have while he was governor of California. Well, that's going to do it for today on today's episode of But Have You Heard About? Hopefully you guys learned something new about divorce ranches and how basically Reno and Vegas kind of got their start as being destinations for little staycations where you gambled, had a little bit of legal, illegal activity, and all that jazz. As always, I'm your host, Courtney, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye!